Not one of you that this morning I hear by accident. You all are very important to the living God. God didn't send his only son to die for any of the fallen billions of angels. There wasn't one angel, and there are different kinds of angels. We have messengers and warriors and powerful ones and ones less powerful. But not one was worth saving, not one. But you were to die for. And your life has such a timeline of so many happenings you didn't anticipate. Some you did downright stupid things that caused the things you're going through. None of which stresses God. None of it. And yet you have other things going on in your life. And whatever you, wherever you find yourself, you need to know this morning that the living God brought you here and is very focused on your life. You cannot measure your life by your circumstances because he's way bigger than all of that. You are vitally important to the Lord. So I need you to get your focus of the smaller things and onto the long-term plan of God in your life. And start thanking him for all that he has done, that he is doing, and who he is. You can give God all the glory for that. God's name which means, I don't know if in Hebrew, we read from, I'm from a Jewish family, we read, we read from the right to the left. If you read his name in the three letters his name consists of, the first letter means, I'm going to be. The second was, I am. And the third one is, I was. So he's the ever-existing God. He's a marvelous, wonderful Savior. And here's the thing. He didn't make any angel in his image. After all those billions of years of creations and things he's done, you're the only one that has his DNA. And he loves you so intensely. He loves everything about you, and he's greatly tolerant with all your struggles. God is tolerant with struggles, but he doesn't appreciate wickedness. Weaknesses he can deal with. The devil capitalizes on your ignorance of your journey with the Lord to make you feel guilt and shame with your struggles and weaknesses. So I'm here to loose you for this morning with the words of the Lord to make you free. When Peter asked him to wash all of him, he said, you don't need complete cleansing. He said, he said to him, my words have cleansed you. Only your feet, because you have contact with this world. Moses didn't have to take off his garments in the presence of God, just his shoes. It's symbolic of the contact of the world. He belonged to God already. He had to just have the feet in a clean format. So we, in the same way Jesus says he washes men's feet, we help each other. We don't criticize or judge or have opinions of people. We help each other in this family of God. I heard the pastor receiving, talking about the building fund. And then I remembered going to, a, not long ago, to a church just very, just barely north of Chicago. And this, this area is full of gangs. And you can feel the atmosphere when you get there. This is not a happy, healthy environment. And this amazing man of God that I've come to know now, he has been on several Christian, like 700 Club and such like, but he, he, what he did was he got a truck, like a tucker truck, and he began to do curbside Sunday school. He knocked on doors saying, let me have your children. He felt their children were, 
they were in peril, in danger of their lives being roped into gangs. So he'd have Sunday school and start witnessing. And then along came this, this, these kids began to grow, this whole group began to grow until he needed a church. And then one single man came along and wrote a check for, I think it was 10 million, I don't know how much it was, it was a lot of money, built a magnificent church. Why I'm telling you this is that there are the odd occasions that God can, would, and wants to pay the whole building with a, a check, but it defeats the object. A church is not, a building is only a place we meet. He owns it all. God owns it all. But the, the very important journey we're on in walking by faith and learning obedience in gathering to give to the building fund or putting a place together, the journey and what we each one individually learn is far more important. Some sit there and go, oh, here we go, building fund again. They always want money. How can I do this and buy his new book and give an offering? And now they've got a guest speaker. They want so much money. <laughs> that's, how we, that's how we think. That's how we think. And how we are now from a Jewish family, so I have a little different outlook. I only found out the last 10 years that we actually think differently a lot to the people that are not Jewish. And for me, I, I've watched in America how that they refinance a house, and I think only idiots do that because you pay, you've really paid a large chunk of your house. But if you buy a house in mortgage, if you mortgage your house and you buy a house like that, you'll spend, you buy the house for the three times the price you agreed to because that's what interest does to you. That's normal. It's what it is. If you're refinancing, you're only increasing the price of your house, how much you're paying for it. That's not bad enough. You get a credit card in your mail you didn't ask for. Repeatedly until you start using it. And every intention, you're going to pay it off. So it's not going to be an 18% interest. It's not a big deal because you're going to pay it off, right? You still have that credit card 10 years later. And you're paying interest so high, you're not giving to God what you should be. So in my Jewish mind, it is we just downright bad stewards, bad managers. We buy stuff that we don't need to buy. Christmas is coming, and we buy, we get receipts. We get receipts that we can return things because so much gets returned. Because we buy stuff nobody wants. <laughs> with money we don't have. Yeah. And it gets out of control. We need to be wise as stewards and watch how God will bless you. He said that the, the, Jesus said the poor will always be among you. He never said some of you. You were never meant to be poor. The poor are for, are for unbelievers and people that don't know God. God made this earth in the fullness for you. He's changing your mind about money and possessions. So when people get offended at money, and he, often the pastor gets people find him offensive, I don't care. I'm too Jewish to care. <laughs> I'm going to help you as I know it sets people free. I live this way. I don't, I'm not asking what I, what I don't live. I live by faith, and I live by obedience, whatever God says. Tithing. When I hear Christians start debating about a tithe, and I know they're Gentiles. You'll never find a Jew argue about a tithe. It's the most natural thing for us to give to God. A, a part. And you are us. You are part of that too. The day you got born again, you became part of the same family. You're joint heirs. You don't see Al-Qaeda trying to kill Hare Krishnas or Buddhists. They only kill Christians and Jews. Why? Aren't the others infidels too? Why, why are we the only infidels? Because we have the truth. And we're joint heirs. Do you understand? So I want you to change your heart and your mind. Tithing shouldn't be debatable. 
should already be put aside before you touch anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? And giving to God. Now, excuse me doing this, Pastor. Pastor S. <laughs> teachers, because I've, I see people don't understand this. They talk about you've got to sow and reap. Sowing and reaping is not for Christians. It's for everybody. Everybody. God's not mocked what a man sows. God's not mocked because it's a principle. Why is God not mocked? Because it's real. Whatever you sow, you're going to get back. You sow love, you're going to get it back. You can't sow money and expect to get health. No, you sow money to get money. So if you're going to sow something, you must have a harvest in mind. And I find my Gentile friends don't get that. They sow a seed and they hope whatever comes. What? A farmer goes to buy seed, and he asks, he says, I need a plant. I'm going to put so much corn in. Well, how big is your field? And he has to measure it, and he tells him how much seed he must buy. Well, I can't afford that much seed. We're not going to get that much harvest then. Your, your proportion to your harvest and your seed, and then you must nurture it. But you will get what you sow. In fact, here in California, you can supposed to be desert type, right? But you can drive on any High freeway bridge, you'll find weeds in those cracks that nobody planted. And they grow. It seems like bad seed grows anywhere. But good seed you must nurture. Right? Now that's sowing a seed, so it really works. If you need a harvest, sow a seed. When you put that seed in, you name that seed and you walk out that door expecting a harvest. That's sowing and reaping. But what my Gentile friends don't get is the offering. An offering is very precious to us because it only begins to function once you've tithed. You can't give an offering if you haven't tithed. Is that because you're only giving God's tithe until you've paid the whole full amount. Now offerings start beginning to come. And an offering is something between you and God, and it's a display of what God means to you. Christmas time, when you buy a gift for someone, you go to the store, and, you, and when I get a gift, it's not the amount of money it goes into, it's the effort, the love, the thought. It touches my heart. My grandkids, I've got, special, I've got 10 grandkids, and there's some of them that will go through great effort to give grandpa something that's very touching and very moving, and that moves me. It, it shows their love, the preciousness. So when you give God an offering, there has to be some sacrifice, some effort. There has to be something in that of worth to you. Do you understand? There's different kinds of offerings. And Jesus gave offerings. He didn't give, he didn't give sin offerings, but he certainly gave offerings. When he told his disciples, go and prepare for the, for the Passover, that's a sacrifice, right? They had to go buy a lamb, take it and get it sacrificed, and take a piece of it because it goes to the, to the, whole, the whole festival. So he did a lot of, when he was born, they sacrificed two doves for him. He was full of sacrifices. It's not unusual. It's normal. And when you give an offering to God, you're telling God what he means to you. You're not looking for a return. You're looking for an expression of love. First fruits, any kind of offering that comes from your heart to God. And God sees that. Now, I know you find this all offensive, but I want to loose you today, set you free. When you were born, you brought nothing with you. You didn't even bring clothes. <laughs> you were naked, all gooey. Mom had you cleaned and had you clothed. Before you left the hospital, you had everything you could possibly need. When you die, all that you value, whatever expensive watch you might have, Philip Patel, whatever you have on you or with you, it's going to stay right there. 
If you own a jet plane, if you own several houses, <laughs> they'll stay right there. It's all just stuff. And yet the stuff controls your thinking. And I felt when he spoke about the off-building fund, and I, you already hear it so much, but my brethren don't grasp that God watches in our hearts and what means it. It means so much to the Lord. And when a woman gave all she had, not the large amounts that came in, but when Jesus saw a woman gave all she had, it touched his heart. That's what an offering does. It touches the heart of God. So I want to lose you from things because you, you have value systems. And I can well, just go look at your bank account and I'll see where your heart really is. I'll see what's important to you, where all your money is going, what, what hobby you have, what expenses, you, where all your money is. I can tell where your heart is. And if you really love the Lord and you're growing your love for him, let your heart show, let your money show that. And you watch what God will do. I'm a living testimony. God's not broke. I've been in the prophetic ministry 40 years, and before that I was a pastor, but he's never failed us. My wife will tell you there's one thing she's sure of, that God will always provide for us. Some way, one way or another, it's never the same. Never, ever the same he provides. No matter what hits us, and if he does it for me, and I'm so undeserving, he'll do it for you. I need you to change your mind and become a receiver, not just a giver. Do you understand? And get free of your fear and, and, and the tension. When they should, there's talk of money in the air, faith should arise. We should have opportunity to exercise your faith and watch God move on your behalf. Do you understand? Because you're driven by the, the pressures of this world to pay your bills and the standards of life and everything costs, cost, everything's valued in money. Value, change your mind, right? With me. Okay. So you are very precious to the Lord. And I'm happy you're here today because God handpicked you and you Everything about your life is important to the Lord. We have a Bible that was put together 400 years ago for us by the canon. We have 66 books in the Bible, and we have uh, four Gospels, which I do enjoy and appreciate, the Gospels. And uh, if I look at uh, the book of Matthew, which I'm looking at this morning, if you'll follow with me. Boy, you're an excited bunch. I love it. <laughs> Bring from the book of Matthew 11. Jesus had certain relationships that were very fascinating to me, and I, I would follow all these relationships, I'd follow them, and try to figure out and understand I'm so hungry for him as a person to know him that I watch all the relationships. For example, he had 12 disciples, 11 came from Galilee, I try to follow their lives, and Judas Iscariot came from another place, and if all the people I would have picked to run my books, to do accounts, it would not have been Judas, it would have been Matthew. That was a clever young man. That man had, oh, Matthew, I could tell you about Matthew. Matthew was a Levite, according to the book of Mark, which means he came from a very, very Jewish allotted family, and he was educated. And he came from the Galilean area, which were all blue collar, so his parents must have sent him to go become educated as a teacher of the law or a rabbi, but the boy went to go learn other things and ended up being a tax collector. You know his parents weren't happy with him. I know that because when he finally gave a feast to Jesus, they said, what kind of man is this that has only tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus says sinners, when they start talking about sinners, they're not talking about people living a life of sin. The Jews value people that are following the law, living as good Jews. If you're not, then they call you a sinner. If you don't go to synagogue every Sunday, you're not following Shabbat, you're not following all the laws, you're a sinner. That's the people that are just not one of us and the tax collectors. So they were looking down, but his parents weren't there. 
Matthew's parents weren't there. He just, there was no involvement with him. So he must have been his appointment in every way. And he becomes a Christian on top of it all. He's the only book, Matthew's the only book that has, maintains his Hebrew identity into the second century. All the others were converted into Greek and, and different languages. But Matthew stayed. He was aiming at the Jews. He wanted to show the Messiah who the Messiah was. Interesting man, Matthew. In the chapter 11, he's relaying the story, and I'm reading it to you from the NIV. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach the, preach in the towns of Galilee, the different towns. He preached from one town to another. When John, the Baptist, who was in prison, and there's an interesting man, John the Baptist. Let me just quickly tell you, Gentiles, so you can get a little grasp here. His dad and mom come from royal blood. They weren't ordinary, although they lived ordinary lives south of Jerusalem in the Judean hills. They lived and had a normal life, but because he was of, of the Levitical order, he had to serve in the temple. So when his division was summoned to go for a certain period, he, was, he, came, and, he, he came and offered his service. He was at the temple and got his clothes and he got his room and got everything organized and served for several weeks in, this, in the temple. And they cast lots, little pieces of board or bone, whatever they cast, to see who'd be the one to go and do, go inside into the temple itself and do the, the prayer offerings. And so it became incense offerings. As was, and so incense is the, what carries the fragrance, carries it to the prayers. It's a symbolic because the nose is the only organ that has not sinned. So the fragrance, the smell carries your prayer purely up to God, just that you know, you understand those things. And so here's our little... Zacchaeus, Zechariah goes into the, into the place right there before the curtain. There's an altar, full little horns on it, and there's a place he must do the incense. An angel talks to him and tells him in his late life, his wife's already about 40. She was, the Bible says they were old. So she must be about 40 years old, and they never had a child. And he says, you can, you can tell the whole story, you're going to have a child. It's going to be John. And he's struck dumb. Now, understand this. The woman's already six months pregnant, when way north, a young cousin of hers, 15, maybe 16 years old, is betrothed in a tiny village to a very sweet older man called Joseph. She meets an angel on the road and says, you're going to have a child. What? I'm not even married, but God's going to make you pregnant. Yeah, I thought, of, thought that might happen to me. <laughs> How bizarre is that? We can't even prophesy to someone who's married they're going to have a baby without them getting upset. <laughs> this woman's not even married. She's a young girl. She says to me, let it be to me according to your will, whatever you want, God. Now, the Bible tells us the angel says to him, and look, your cousin is six months pregnant. Now, she's just been made pregnant by God. So she drops everything. The Bible tells us, and she left immediately, prepared to leave immediately to go to her, see her cousin. Well, you don't get in the car or get in the plane. To go, south of Jerusalem takes at least eight to nine days to walk. And if you're going to walk, it's a whole journey. But you've got to work on your Shabbat somewhere. You've got to stop and you've got to celebrate Shabbat and rest and everything else. And you can't just do it anywhere. So it has to be all planned. And she must have taken servants with her because she couldn't go as a young girl by herself. Either way, she arrives. Picture the scene. It's in the scriptures. Luke. She walks in to the sister. Cousin, I mean, cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth's an older woman. She's 16. She's about 40 years old. Cousin walks in. And this Elizabeth, six months, she says, Who am I that the mother of my Lord 
comes to see me. She's not even a couple of weeks pregnant. And the first prophecy comes from Elizabeth, a remarkable woman. And there's such a celebration of these two women. No one knows yet but these two women. That the Son of God has been sent to earth. Remarkable. And so Mary and Elizabeth talk, talk, talk. And Elizabeth knows now this baby she's carrying is no ordinary pregnancy. And you can be sure that when this boy was born, she grazed him, telling him every day of his destiny. And he walked right into it, into his destiny. And he, as he grew up, he had no normal life. He didn't go to the movies. He didn't do any sport. He had no girlfriend, no nothing. In fact, he ended up in the desert, which is the area where, down in Qumran. We have a record of him there where he was at this, uh, this monastery for these very extreme Jews called the Hessenes. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they were like monks. They dressed in white. They, uh, they didn't get married. They fasted and prayed, and they baptized all the time. And John spent two years in about to become one of them when he finally leaves and begins his mission. And he is so excited and so devoted. The devotion of this man's life. To prepare a way for, what does it mean, prepare a way? What, what, what does it mean? Well, it gets the Jews mindful, all the, these Israelis, back to God. Because they're all thinking about the Roman oppression, not thinking about God. And there's so much politics in the Jews. So now John's preaching the relationship with God back into your life, right? Repent, come back to God. And the voice is carrying out in the wilderness to all of Israel. So it makes a real impact. And they even thought he might be the Messiah. But they were looking for a Messiah because Isaiah said, that the Messiah will have this, you'll recognize him by the miracles. But he did no miracles, John, did no miracles, just taught and preached constantly, had baptized, which he got a lot from, the, of course, the Essenes, always baptizing. John's repentance baptism, very much a hard preacher. And, uh, of course, you know how he dies at the age of 33. Also, uh, in, with Herod was uh, Tiberius, a real idiot, or what did Jesus call him? A cunning fox. That's what Jesus called him. He was very cunning and low, low in so many ways. And he, had, he built his little palace right there in Tiberius. And Tiberius is a place built on graves. So the Jews were very offended in building a, a whole palace there. And that's where John was kept in that his last time of his life. So Jesus is preaching all these villages. And John, who'd spent his whole life preparing for this Jesus and prophesies over him. Now here's the Bible said when John was in prison, he heard about the deeds of the Messiah. He sent his disciples, John's disciples, from prison to ask him, are you the one? What? You spent your whole life, your entire life preparing for this moment and you're in prison and now you're not sure you did the right thing anymore. You're having a meltdown. What's with that? What happened to you, John? What would make you so concerned that are you really the Christ? Do you come to the end of your life and wonder, is it really a God? Was my life worth it? Did I really live right? Was it, you, you begin to ask all these questions. And Jesus answers and says to him, go back and report to him what you see and what you hear. This is what Jesus, the Son of God, who was very, very intelligent, well-calculated, and very attentive to his, to his task and, and his mission. And he said, those who are blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised. These are all multiple miracles. Multiple miracles. Why? Because that goes along with Isaiah prophesying. 
And then he says, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Good news is a phrase the Romans used a lot in their way of speaking, their Latin way of speaking, because they wanted to bring democracy throughout the world and become an empire. And so they would announce when they came to every town, they'd announce, good news, you're all free. You're no longer subject to anybody else. You're a Roman citizen now. You're free. Good news. So Jesus proclaimed good news. People were free. He came to set the captives free. And so Jesus says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And I always puzzled, who would stumble? And now I've grown older, I've seen people do stumble. Even Christians stumble with some of the things Jesus does and says, and they don't understand his goodness. John could not grasp this gospel. So I began to puzzle, what was it John really couldn't understand? If he's a savior of the world, and he's the Lamb of God, then what didn't you understand? Well, the message of Jesus rang out so full of grace and mercy, so opposite to John's turn or burn, he couldn't process it. The goodness of God, the kindness of God. People still try to religify the message. Somehow we like religion because it gives us a sense of control. I can measure if I'm a good Christian. If I pray this much, read this much Bible, do the go to church every Sunday, I'm a good Christian. Well, it's all based on relationship with Him by faith. It's not based on how much you can do or can't do, because then <laughs> that's why Jesus, if He was going to give us rule book, He would have told the disciples on the Mount of Beatitudes, Peter, take notes. Remember now, blessed, two S's, blessed is, he would, have, he would have made him make notes, but there was no notes to be taken. He, he said, go wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. What another, another mega milestone in the life of the kingdom of God. For Israelites had to pay such a price to become the people of God, that the world would know who God is through a nation that walked with God. And from that would come a Savior, introduction to a whole Son of God in manifest form on earth who dies as a criminal on a cross. Whole mind-boggling paradigm shift. Now you take this and you add to it the Holy Spirit coming. Well, wasn't He here before? Not this way. Upon all flesh. Most remarkable thing, this Holy Spirit. The one common denominator I noticed in all revivals the last 2,000 years, the two things is that the sacrificial prayer and people, the church is actually acknowledging the Holy Spirit as a person. Welcome Him and giving Him space, not just as a manifestation, but as a person. And I've noticed that the same common factors throughout every move or manifestation of God. And I noticed in the day of Pentecost, what a strange, you said, Jesus, you're not going to leave us alone. But 10 days from the time you left, the time of Shaviot or Pentecost happened, you left us. What happened? What's with that? But I believe in my heart, this is my own belief, that the Holy Ghost came and he was sent to the church and he couldn't find the church. He found Christians here and he found Christians there. But they weren't gathered yet. They weren't gathering. They were believers waiting. And then Shaviot took place, a, a festival, a Jewish festival feast of, of the five books of, the, of Moses. And so it's a whole celebration time. They came together to celebrate, to worship. And the Holy Ghost says, I found them. They're here. I found them. <laughs> and when he found them, he came and manifest. What a traumatic, dramatic 
breathtaking, unforgettable experience. Nobody could prepare them, these men, women, and children. They were gathered together for Shaviot. And before they knew it, a noise came in that place. God doesn't move quietly. I mean, in the Garden of Eden, they heard the sound of God. What sound would that be? He's a, he's a spirit. What sound were you hearing? God makes a noise. And there was a noise in, the, in, the, in this room, the upper room. There was a noise. And what seemed to be like little tongues of fire, something they could see, the glory of God hit each person. And it wasn't some of them. It was all of them. Men, women, children, all began to speak in tongues. How do you get someone to speak in a tongue they've never heard before? Do you say... Say after me, Honda, Kawasaki, Yamaha. What do, you, what do you do? How do you get them to speak in tongues? What do you do? How do you do that? But they were just so, some of them were so drunk. They were laying on the floor. I mean, Peter got up. You got up on the Shaviot. You were sitting down. The Holy Ghost, you sitting down. Why are you down? No, he was down, baby. He was down. And when he gets up, he's, these men are not drunk. This same one a few days ago who was so scared is now so bold and so audacious. He tells the Jews, you then, this Christ, you crucified. That's what he says to be so bold because he's so changed and so drunken in the Holy Ghost, supernatural. There was no denying it, this Pentecost. If anything we need today is the Holy Ghost. We need it very badly. We need to create the atmosphere and create the platform for him to come. We have a program. We sing, and we see we do the uh, breaking of bread we have, and then we have announcements, offering, preaching, and then we go home. And if we come with an expectancy and a little space for the Holy Ghost to do something different, because, you know, He's always going to do something different. God has so many original ideas. One day he speaks through a burning bush that won't consume. Another day he writes on the wall to talk to them. Then he opens the mouth of a donkey to someone else. He's always got some different way of talking than you least expected. I mean, imagine the prophet that's used to God speaking to him now opens the mouth of a donkey. The donkey had more spiritual insight because he saw an angel. He couldn't go any further. Angels in my way. Then the prophet of God who's messed up by carnality and things of the world. We can lose our spiritual sight, become blinded as much as we know God, that a donkey could see better than us. And the two of them have a conversation. That's even more comical to me. If I was a prophet and my donkey spoke, I'd say, what is wrong with this scene? <laughs> not, not Balaam, he talks back. They have a whole company. Have you ever heard a donkey prophesy? It sounds something like this. Uh, why are you hitting me? And the angels are looking down. I know the angels are looking down going, which one's the ass? God speaks. There's no question. You are his prized possession. He gave Jesus that whole journey of suffering, John the Baptist, everything so that you and I could be here today. What a gift. We cannot be selfish with it or dulled in our senses. 
We cannot be a secret service Christians. You cannot take this lightly. You are very important. Yes, you focused on whatever need you have today, whatever you're going through, wherever you are in your timeline of your life. There are things going on. There's always going to be something. You can't go from one challenge to the next. You've got to find the place where you completely content in Him and let Him take care of your circumstances. Because God is unchanged. He doesn't change. He's always the same. No matter who's president, no matter what's going on around you, what storm, what calamity, God does not change. And you are important to the Lord. If you call, He will answer. If you make known your requests, He will answer you. He's a good God. There is just no one like Him. John could not understand the message because he was looking for some results. And Jesus was so kind and gentle. He was always giving everybody space. Everybody. He was, there was such a goodness in His message and mercy and grace. And that's the gospel. How shall we escape, Hebrews 2 says, if we neglect such a great salvation? So, friends, I want you to know today that wherever you are, whatever struggle you have, God's not stressed by your struggles. He'll help you in your weakness. Paul struggled. He said, a wretched man that I am, Lord, things I ought not to do, these I do. None of you can relate to that. I know that. But the point is that we are weak, and God is strong in us when we are weak. Whatever you're going through, just give it to the Lord. Let Him have it today. Let's, let's walk and get to know Him and love Him. Love the Lord with all your heart. Get to know Him. There's nothing more satisfying, more fulfilling than knowing the Lord, to have a relationship with Him, to spend time with Him. Just spend time. You can't spend time with God on your way to work in your car. You can't spend time, God, on, on your walks when you're exercising or in the gym. You've got to take time that's just His. It doesn't have to be long time. It has to be quality time. Spend time with Him. Give Him a chance to talk to you. Because you've got such a busy life. You walk into the house, you put the TV on, get into the car, you pull out your phones. We, get, we keep our calls until we get in the car to go somewhere. So it's the strangest thing, our culture we developed, where we don't let God have a piece of our life, a consistent focus that we tuned into Him on a daily basis. He loves you. He bought you. He redeemed you for a purpose. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. And right where you are, he's so with you and he wants you to long for him, want him, know him, and he'll take care of it. The devil's accusing you because he's an accuser. That's what he does. God does not accuse. God does not accuse. That's what Jesus said. The enemies come to steal, divide, and destroy. He's an accuser of the brethren. He's always accusing, always telling you how bad you are, always telling you what you're guilty of, to keep you away from the Lord. Run to Him, whatever your situation is now, and watch how He takes care of it for you. Watch how He'll take care of this one and the next and the next, but let Him be your source of gladness, not your circumstances. God doesn't change. He's always been the same. He's faithful. He's faithful, and He'll never let you down. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I'm going to stop there because I'm watching the clock. I'm being obedient, right? I'm scared of her. I also have some books, too, that, that are better than the... Uh, better than the... The world's books, better than the work books of the world. I'm just joking. I'm just joking with you. My newest book is uh, Interpreting Dreams. Everyone dreams. Everybody. You dream. You sleep a third of your life away. Sleep every night. And God speaks to you in dreams. There's no question. Everybody gets dreams. And I 
try to help people now after years of trying to interpret dreams of people. This book will not only teach you how to interpret, there's a dictionary in there too to help you lay out your dreams carefully. It's available to you. I have wonderful teachings back there too and all kinds of books if you're interested back there. If you want to avail yourself to that, that little lady that's so sweet will help me. What's your name? Le Cheryl. You couldn't be just Cheryl or Le, you had to be both. Le Cheryl. What's your last name? McCullum. Are you married to Mr. McCullum? We can go find him, girl. I have powers of persuasion. Do you have children? How many? What's her name? Does she come to church? She goes to Gateway. Crystal's a good little lady. She's got some wounds in her, I see, from disappointing relationships and made some... She's soft. She's very soft-natured and uh, gullible, even now. She, she's learned a lesson she told you. She hasn't. And she never will. I'll tell you, she never, because to the pure in heart, all things are pure. And so because she's such a pure-hearted person, she'll always believe in everybody, and that pleases the Lord. Don't tell her, don't let her change. Just be yourself. God will protect her. Do you understand? She must just pay attention to the signals. God gives her signals, but she ignores them. She must pay. She's done, she's done some st- good studying, but she's not completely done yet. She's going to do another little bout of studying. God's going to help her with that. But he, she's keeping herself to herself. She's kind of afraid to get hurt. The risk is always worth it. You know, God didn't promise you a pain-free life, just a healed one. As for you, you've carried a lot of pain in your life. I see a lot of scars in your soul, and it was never for yourself as much as for other people. You've had a lot of losses, and uh, you've got a lot of compassion because of it. But your life has great, great meaning. And I want to apologize on behalf of some church leadership, not this one, that has not treated you right. Uh, They just didn't pay attention to you, and I'm sorry about that. I apologize on their behalf. But you are amongst family. You're safe here. Do you understand? You're safe. You're a sweet lady. Thank you for being who you are in the Lord. All right. Good job. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Cinderella, pick five people quickly, please. Look for the people. Yeah. Pick sinners. Pick sinners. Sinners. Look for sinners. Or the ones you don't like. No pressure. Pronto, pronto. The Lord's coming soon. Sandy from Hawaii. Sandy from Hawaii. We want to go to Hawaii with the Bible school, not bring it here. Are you standing? Are you standing? Okay, good. Uh, yeah, really. And who else? Four, yes. Okay, I'll, I'll start with her. Sandy, are you married? Do you know his name? Tell me. Seagull? Cecil. Cecil. Okay. And children, do you and Cecil have children? That's wonderful. You're a, quite a remarkable lady. You've had to weather some storms. You're an overcomer. And uh, the Lord is correcting things that in your bloodline that got out of whack. And uh, because you had some great leaders in your family that just didn't always follow through. And God's restoring back the, the nobility, the leadership in you. You were born to be a leader and you're doing a really good job. You've made some good decisions made the right decisions in God's hands upon you. He's really going to show you. Uh, I don't know what you're planning on doing, but there's spiritual leadership that God has planned for you that you cannot avoid. You just can't. 
and uh, Caesar's a good man. He's had some real battles to deal with some real struggles. It's not his own doing. He did not cause it, but God was God is going to be his strength. And we can tell him that your victory is waiting for him. He must next year is going to be a wonderful year for him. In fact, there'll be three to five different major things that will happen all next year. Breakthroughs that he's been waiting so long for. God will come through for him on that. You're a wonderful lady, and you have a wonderful heart. You've made right decisions. You almost packed and ran and cut and... No, you did right. God's going to bless you. You're going to reap the benefits and the fruit of it all. You're where God wants you to be. You're going to be a real voice and a, a real pastoral ministry. That's God's plan for you to teach God's word. You cannot avoid it. It's in you. It's got a fire in your soul. As a sign to you, when you, after you sit down, there's a healing process beginning. You've had a little struggle with a discomfort thing that's been coming and going in you on and off. It's going to end itself. God's going to heal you and show you as a sign to you for, of his greatness and that you're in his will. He's pleased with you. Thank you so much. You. <laughs> Who? Who? Michelle. Michelle and her, and her husband, his name is? Andrew, and you legally married? How long? Six years. Are you nervous? <laughs> you should be. <laughs> I'm kidding, Andrew. What do you do? You know what? Law enforcement. Law enforcement. Do you eat donuts? <laughs> what do you do, ma'am? A stay, and how many do you have? Two. Just two. You planning more? eventually. My brother, you've got a wonderful heart. You haven't done always the right things, and the devil loves to beat you up, but I just love your spirit. I love who you are, and it's time for you to make some strong decisions in your journey with the Lord and to know who you are in Christ, because you really are a blessing. Do you understand that? You've got to shake off all the stuff that you've seen that's been unpleasant and know that God's hands upon you. The devil's been trying to get you out of here. He's trying to get you away. He wants to do all he can to disrupt, to destroy, to break your life, your family, break everything because he's frightened what you're destined for. You're destined for greatness, spiritual greatness. Touch people's lives. That's your destiny. So he's done everything he can to distract you, to tempt you, to do all he can to mess you up. So I'm here, for, I'm here to ask you, brother, shake it off. We need you. We need you, not in, in the police force. We need you in the kingdom to function fully the way that God has planned you to be because you are a man of God. The major thing about you, and you make up your mind, nothing stops you. Since a little boy, stubborn, you're like a bulldozer. You'll go, through, you'll go through that fence, not even over it, because you just make up your mind. We need that determination in God's kingdom. You've got wonderful kids. As for you, as for you Michelle, you're an interesting little lady. God's anointed you to pray. That's your strength. The little season you've been through has been challenging to teach you how to pray and to trust the Lord in it. You've learned techniques in it. You mustn't overshare. You must learn how to keep it carefully organized in your life, what God wants you to share and not to share, because God's teaching you great finesse to be leadership together. So God's really smiled on the two of you. When the two of you were put together, God really laughed. He said, we'll see what this lot's going to do together. And even your children, your children like chalk and cheese, they're so opposite to so many ways. It's just that they don't even, it's like you can't even believe them. They're from the same gene pool. They're so different. <laughs> but they're wonderful kids, wonderful. They'll be great assets in God's kingdom. Thank you so much. Happy people. Nancy? Nancy Zone? Fancy Nancy. Hello, Nancy. Are you married, Miss Nancy? Would you like to be? No. 
That tells a story. <laughs> Nancy, you're an asset to this church and to this kingdom. You're an asset. You need to know your worth and your value. Let me make it clear to you from the Holy Ghost that you have great value. You don't have to be visible and loud. Just be here. Because you touch lives all the time. People latch onto you, that motherly heart that you have, the inside, the little, little, little windows and little sentences you say, you drop such wonderful nuggets in people's lives. You're a strength given encourager. Boy, we are so glad you were born, and we're so glad you're here. Because you make a difference every day. You are such a blessing. You're a mama to so many. And God honors you and thanks you for it. He has heard your prayer. You've had a special prayer request for someone you love very much. And you've petitioned the Lord. And God says, I've got you. I've got you covered. I've got, got you back. I'm going to do what you ask. And miracle's on its way. That's what God's promised you. Thank you, Miss Fancy Nancy. Rick and Cheryl? Rick and Cheryl. Troy. The Troys. Which one's Cheryl? Just checking. Hi, Rick. How long, how long are you guys married? 22 years. 22 years. And how many children? One. You looked at her, you weren't sure? <laughs> are you planning to have your own kids together? So I was going to send you home now, but obviously, okay. Just, what do you do, Rick? <laughs> a school administrator. Mm, that's a challenge and a half. Is it a Christian school or not? And now? Ooh, good luck with that one. Oh, Lordy. It's a, war, it's a war zone by the sounds of things these days. What do you do, ma'am? You're now retired. I see a lot of books ahead of you, a lot of books in front of you, a lot of writing, a lot of writing stuff, and you're a communicator, very deep communicator. You get more said on paper than you do verbally. Because if your emotions take over, girl, you get it all messed up. You just you, you really are an excellent ordered lady of communication. You had to fight some fights. You do have a political uh, thing waiting for you to do that God has planned for you, and it's gonna be successful, but he's gonna teach you how to be tactful and clever and not emotional and because you are you are a very skilled leader very skilled and the people will listen to you and you will be you, you, what your greatest strength is you just don't give up you may take a dip but you'll get right back up again and do it again it's who you are you're a fighter and god will use that for his glory as for you sir you're far smarter than people give you credit for or even you yourself see yourself you're far more use your superpower your thinking process just, just take a moment, take a breath, take a knee, and think it through. Because you'll always come up with the right answers. There's something about you, since you were a kid, when you think things through, if you had waited till the next day, you would have come up with a better answer because you had time to think it through. You need time. You're not a fast thinker. You're not. If you, they try and put pressure on you, then don't, don't make, give them an answer until you have a chance to think. Because you're a thinker. And uh, so th this is an assignment. You're going to a secular school, and it was foreordained by God. There's a whole assignment, and it's not the students. It's the staff. God's got some staff members that are really going to be moved by your life, your stability. You are like an anchor. You'll eat the same jolly breakfast every morning. It's like, <laughs> can we not change it up once in a... It's your natural... You're such a dependent... <laughs> 
you're, you're so dependable, and that's what's going to be the latch for those people. They need that because you strength, and you, you will be a real pillar, and that's God's plan for you. Thank you for being the man of God you are. You're such a blessing in this church, both of you. Good people, good people. Thank you so much. Amen. One more. Mike Hansen. What's your, Mike Hansen? You have a wife? Do you know her name? Ciara? Ciara? Is that you say her name? Ciara. What does Ciara do? Stay home wife. Uh, she's far more prophetic than you give her credit for. And you would do well to listen to her on occasion. You love your wife, but you're always in a hurry. You're very fast-moving, impulsive, and make quick decisions. If you will listen to her, you would have not burnt yourself the few times you have. And uh, she's really got a prophetic edge to her. Uh, so it's wise for you to listen, to pay attention to her. God gave it to you as a gift. He did. Uh, you're a good man. You've got a good heart. Your motive is right. Your motive is right. You're still trying to prove to dad that you're more successful or better than he thought you were. And I'm going to tell you, your father celebrates you big time. Your heavenly father thinks that you're wonderful. It doesn't measure you by the successes of man, but by your heart. You have a heart of a champion. But you're kind. You might act tough, but you're very kind. You'll give people more mercy than they deserve, and God loves you for it. He loves your generosity. People have burned you. They've stolen from you. They've, they've cheated you. People you trusted in business, they cheated you. But you release them and watch God bless you in spite of it's like you're starting all over again, but you're going to succeed faster than you ever did before. That's God's promise. But just don't be impulsive. Listen to the prophetic voice of your wife, and she's going to help steer you and make good decisions together for both of you. God's blessings upon you. There's a mountain in front of you right now. You need God to break through for you, and he's your advocate, your lawyer. He's your finance. He's going to fix this thing that seems to be immovable right now. It's going to work out in your favor. Just watch God in action. He likes you. Thank you. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. What's it to you? <laughs> the lady with the orange dress. What's your name, please, ma'am, with the hair and the glasses? Orange dress. In front of you. Oh, you also got orange dress. I didn't see it. Okay. What's your name? Cindy. That's a common name in this church, isn't it? <laughs> Next to you is your, your father? Husband. <laughs> I'm joking. What's your name, sir? Jim? I knew, I knew you with us. I'm just teasing you, Jim. Are you married for how long? 45 years. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you for doing that. You bore your cross well. How many children do you have? That's a good number. And where are they today? At their homes, where are they? In the California? Yeah. What's the eldest one's name? Brandon. Brandon knows the ways of the Lord. He's just made some unusual choices right now, and he's got his life very occupied, with, especially with some friends of his that need to be loosed from his mind and heart, and he thinks he's chasing, he's chasing a dream that's not working, and it's not going to work. You can tell him, I said, it's not going to work. He, he, he can succeed without any of them with God's blessing. He's got a good heart. That boy's got a good heart. He just wants to succeed and he hasn't yet and God says give me your life to me and I will bless it but let me be in charge of your life the next one Kyle Kyle's taken some wound on his soul and he's 
built a whole case in his heart. And then no matter what you argue, do with him, he's going to keep that case going. God has to heal it. And he has to want God to heal that. But he's got a lot of answers. All his mind's always overworking over time. Over time. And the next one? Whitney. 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 How old is Whitney? Whitney's 36. Whitney's very busy. Her life is so busy. She's burning the candle both ends. She hasn't got time for anything. The cares of the world are choking her. And I lose her from that too because she has a song in her heart. She has a wonderful melody inside of her. And, and uh, she needs to get healed from church disappointments and things like that to get back with the program that God has planned her. So what do you do for a living, sir? From? Yeah. You've got a very good heart. You act tough, but you're a soft-natured man. And God loves that for you. you. You get upset about a thing, and you get all worked up about the most unusual stuff. Even someone taking your parking, it gets you, makes you so mad. <laughs> and it's just, but you've got the kindest heart. You've got a generous spirit, and God celebrates you for it. He celebrates your good heart, and, and he's always watched over you because of it. Things have always worked out well for you because of your heart. God looks at the motive, and that's what God has loved. And the people have hurt you. Christians have hurt you, but you've forgiven them, and God loves you and celebrates you for that too. As for you, Cindy, you're a thinker and you're a reader, and you're always gathering information. You want to know more stuff, but you've got an inquiring mind. Your life's very busy. You want you to start sorting out priorities in your life and start focusing where God wants you to focus you're a little bit not uh, suspicious but you're a little uh, careful with everything you always want to check it out first and i must first prove it to you <coughs> you can put that aside and follow your heart follow your discernment not your head because it doesn't work anyway the wisdom of man is foolishness to god you've got to follow your heart because your heart is much more powerful your heart you've got a good discernment inside of you you're a good mom good husband you're a blessing both of you thank you for being here today all right <coughs> I'm watching my clock, watching it. I am. Yeah, but I'm watching. I'm being obedient. I'm obedient. I really am. Your name with the purpley shirt and jeans. What's your name, sir? In third row? Gray hair, glasses, nose, eyes. <laughs> Everyone knows it's you except you, right? Your name is David? Bathsheba is your name, ma'am? <laughs> What's your name? Sherry. And how long are you married to this fella? 50. Got you beat there, Cindy. Got you beat 51 years. So you married when you were 10? You got married when you were 10, right? Sure. And how many kids do you have? Five. There you go. That's a good number, right? What do you do for a living, sir? From... Uh-huh. And you're in this church? A member of this church? You are? Because you have a, a righteous heritage. You have a heritage from people that have always revered the Lord. And you, you grew up with it. It's in your DNA. You can't help it. You've always, always leaned towards cleanliness and righteousness and uprightness. And that's why God has blessed you the way he has. And, and there's a presence of his love around you always. People feel the difference around you. There's a wholesomeness. You know, you're slow to speak and you're very wise. And God has given you great grace to touch people's lives. You're, 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 even your neighbors admire you and like you. They just have respect for you, gain respect everywhere you go because of the noble heart that you have. And so you're an asset to all the works of the Lord. And everywhere you go, you're a blessing. Uh, he's going to give you long life and extended years, not only because you're righteous, but because you have more value to him right now here to touch people's lives. The little, the little meetings you do, little 
times you meet people, the things you say, you, you always got some life to give someone, and God appreciates that. As for you, my sister, you're a delight to the Lord in so many ways. Uh, no one has to wonder what you think. You'll tell them because you, you have a... <laughs> You have a lot of opinions and ideas, but you've got a sweetheart. You act and sound tough, but you're not. You're also very tender-hearted, and God loves you for it. You're a wonderful mom and grandmother, everything else. You're just a blessing everywhere you go. Always thinking about everybody else, but you're always organizing everybody, too. Always organizing things because you want to make their lives better. A real servant's heart, and you are in the right place. where God wants you to be to learn the Word of God, and you have dreams. You're a dreamer. God speaks to you in dreams. You need to pay attention to those dreams because they're answers to your prayers. When you ask God something, He's answering in dreams. You just don't understand it, so you've got to find out and pay attention to that hallelujah what's that to you what's your name with a with a with a face um uh jacket um, how do i describe you now black hair uh, no beard uh, sitting by himself alex alex yeah is he young okay younger than we are yes alex so are you married alex would you like to be Eventually, the Lord's coming back. You know that, don't you? <laughs> so just point and click. What do you do for a living, Alex? Uh, I'm in you in like construction? You in like construction, you said? You in like it? No, uh, I do uh, online stuff. Okay, that's what you do. So are you, how long have you been in this church? It's good because God wants to grow you. You have far more potential than you think. You've always put yourself down when God's always trying to pick you up and show you what you can do. All things through Christ who strengthens you. He's changing your mind because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And God's changing your mind about yourself that you understand the potential you have, the great abilities. You can do so many things. You work online, but you have a gifted hands too. There's a lot you can do. You're just very gifted in what, everything you do. You do well. You take your time. You're not in a hurry. You're very thorough by nature. You've had a real wounding in relationship, and so you're kind of over-careful and just don't trust anybody. You're just almost suspicious before you even start. And you've got to shake that off because it doesn't please the Lord. You must trust God. God, not man. Trust God. And he's, your, he's going to be the one to protect you and watch over you. Uh, you gullible because you trust and believe people because you don't lie. And that's okay. God will be your shield and protector. He will guide you and, and he will. There's a financial um, fixing in your life. There's been a drainage that God wants to fix. You just seem to can get some holes closed. God's going to give you wisdom and he's going to bless you. But he wants you to give him all the credit and all the leadership in this. Very important. Oh, he's whispering in my ear, tell him not to move. You're not supposed to move anywhere. You're where God wants you to be. Got it? All right, dude, you're the man. And another young fella with a, what is, is he trying to grow a beard? Is that what it is? Looking behind you? Yeah. What's your name, sir? Chris, and this is your? Thank you for marrying him, Christina. Thank you. How long are you guys married? Three and a half years. Children? Two and a half years, even less. So how many children do you have? Well, if you were texting, nine months is all we needed. Just saying. You want to go home now? So what do you do for a living, sir? You're a chiropractor. Straighten people out, huh? What do you do, ma'am? A news anchor. For whom? Okay, Fox. I haven't seen you there, but I don't watch Fox here. Yeah. So, 
Here's the thing, sir, that you have leadership skills that God has marked and anointed you for the kingdom of God. You're an influencer. You kids and young people follow you. Only an idiot thinks they're a leader when no one follows. But you don't even try to make people follow you. The young just get around you. They want to be with you all the time. There's something in you. You are born to be a leader. Now, you owe God your life because you should have been dead. God rescued you. He sent his angels to watch over you since that time, night and day, that you protected because you have a destiny. And you've made good choices along the road to go God's way. You're very sincere, very true about your walk with the Lord. And God knows that. So he's going to use you to be not only a soul winner, but also bring this young generation up into a healthy place. That's your destiny. You're going to do that. As for your little news anchor, little lady, it's wonderful that you do a good job there, but you have so much more to offer. Uh, you have a great gift of influence, and, and God has positioned you in the most unusual way, and you didn't even have to fight for it the way it came, the way God put it together, but he has different journeys for you. Pay attention that it doesn't get distracted one way or another, because sometimes an Ishmael looks just like an Isaac. You've got to watch carefully for God's way and time, but you won't make a mistake because your heart is right, and you're going to see the awakening in your own family. That's God's promise. The awakening of the Holy Ghost in all of them is going to happen. The Lord says, I must tell you, he's blessed this marriage. It's like you had to find each other. It was a journey and a half for God to push the two of you together. But you both had different interests. God had to make you interested in each other. And that took some doing for God. And now you, you know it's right and you have a journey together. It's, it's a, it is a real adventure waiting for you on every level. A lot of countries are waiting for you too. A lot of countries. just want to say that. All right. So we are going to come back tonight at 6. Is that correct? Right? I want you all to come back. If you're not here tonight, I'll find out where you live. <laughs> thank you, Prophet Ed. Can we just thank him with a round of applause? Thank you. Isn't that awesome? So encouraging. Well, we want to uh, receive an offering to bless his ministry. So we'd put up the three ways to give, please, guys. Thanks. Um, if you're using an envelope, just make sure to write on there uh, for Ed or profit or anything like that so we know to separate it. If you're writing a check, you can just put it in the memo. Still write it to the Promised Church. Just put in the memo for Ed. Uh, if you're using Giving Online, there's a drop-down you can uh, use. Or if you're texting, just put guest or put Ed space and then the amount, if I'm doing that correctly. Um, we'll give you a minute to do that. But we want to bless these ministry. We're going to just give them a one moment to prepare, and then we will um, receive, and we'll receive one tonight as well. Monday night after Bible college, we will um, count all the money and then uh, give it to him before he leaves. But we want to bless these ministry because isn't it's such an awesome gift in, in, in the body of Christ, right? The, the New Testament prophet is just, God wants to encourage you, and you just feel like, wow, God's got my name and my number, right? He knows me. And uh, so be encouraged, and again, come out tonight and uh, be expectant of a word. All right, we'll pray and then we'll receive it. Father God, we thank you uh, for Prophet Ed and his ministry. Lord, I, I pray for uh, abundant favor upon his life, Lord, an increase of grace, an increase of anointing, Lord, that he would hear your voice more clearly than ever before. God, I thank you that these finances that come in will bless his ministry and open doors for him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and receive the offering. Thanks, guys. And... Um,
Yeah, so tonight uh, it'll be at six o'clock. We'll probably open the doors by around 5.30 or so. And I uh, said, so come, come early and grab a seat again because we'll probably have a full house with people coming from maybe other churches if you invite them or if they, they hear about him in town. Um, and uh, then we'll go ahead and... Um, do we get it all through? Good, we're all done? Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask my ministry team to please come down front. Uh, if you, as we dismiss you, if you need prayer for anything, if you uh, need prayer for healing or finances or just somebody to agree with you on something uh, that's going on in your life, my ministry team is down front. We'll pray for you after the, as the service ends, all right? Well, again, thank you for coming out. Hope you had a great Sunday and hope we'll see you tonight. Thank you, everybody. Make sure you stop by the book table. Make sure you stop by the book table on the way out and they'll help you with that. Thanks, everybody.